Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. And we back, and we back, and we back. Ladies and gentlemen, it's another episode of the Slick and Thick Podcast brought to you by the one and the only Gas Digital. To my left, uh, at six foot three, 200 pounds, and every one of them is a problem. The man, the myth, the legend, the tamer of punks, the master of sages, the CEO of the RNC, Slick Mick, the ruler, Mickey Gall. Ladies hey, and gentlemen. what up, baby? Thanks hey, for the intro, G. That's what I'm here for, baby. I know. And next to Slick Mick, the ruler... Yeah. A guest of his royal thickness, Thicky Smalls himself, Gerard Michaels, the funniest man you never heard of, is a man that I consider a walking, talking war machine. You are an absolute yeah. battle weapon. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the baddest man you've never heard of, Devin Moultrie. What's hey. up, Devin? Welcome What's to Slick and Thick. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for gracing us, for blessing us, bro. Yeah. Hell yeah. So talk to us, Dev. Dev, for people that don't know, you are one of the most interesting guys I've ever met in my life. All right? One, stop flexing. It's a lot. All right? For people that can't tell. Stop the buttering them up, then. <laughs> he's going on. He's very long. Listen, whoa, what? Short clip. Pause. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason Mick's standing up this whole time, folks. Mick is uh, 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 a well, I don't like. I don't like not being the tallest guy on the podcast. And this motherfucker's 6'8", so it's like I might as well stand the whole time. You know Six, I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I, I was like, that's six foot three, 200 pounds, and every one of them's a problem. He starts giggling. What is <laughs> that about? Six three, that's <laughs> cute. <laughs> What's that's going cute. on? I was there nine years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, Devin, hey, talk. Give me nine years, bro. Yeah, I'll it was be six, eight, two. Any, any day, any day now, I'm going to hit that second <laughs> growth that, spurt. Th- that 30 year old growth spurt. That's you know it, what I'm man. That's, that, that, that's the good one. The 30 year old growth spurt. Yeah. 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 It goes Shit. down after that. I used to be taller. I'm getting shorter. Yeah, yeah you're what? You're what? Five, four? Damn. Why don't you even hang out? with these guys you know most people i could kick the shit out of guys okay this is don't stop bullying me yeah so devin man tell us your story dude you you're you have one of the most incredible stories out of anybody i've i've ever met and it starts uh in south carolina is that correct you're a carolina guy yes i was uh born in uh columbia south carolina but i was raised in a little town called ellery it was back and forth so um i spent my school years usually in west columbia and um, during the summer months, like the spring, summer months, and parts of the fall, I've spent in Ellery. It's like a little, the lowlands, basically. Gigi? Go to Gigi? <laughs> no, those are the uh, Charleston guys. What is that word? Um, uh, all right. Uh, well, I guess Gishy? we'll tag team this. Gigi. Gigi. So, and this yeah. is what this is my understanding of it. Yeah. It's uh, there were, there were like uh, freed slaves and Indians. And, and a lot of times, like either Indians would help free slaves, or and then the like the the slaves would like team up with the, with the, the. What do you think, feathers. bro? Native Amer- oh, okay. Native, yeah. yeah, Native Americans, the natives, and they <laughs> they would kind of team up and go like just being like bad motherfuckers, just tearing up and down like, like just like knocking over. Uh, you never heard of this shit? Ah, uh, Spike Lee has knocking a over like plantations it, and like just fucking For people real? up and like yeah, it's like really cool, really cool story. Wow, yeah. yeah. So so the, so the freed either the freed slaves the freed or the, men, or, or the Indians or Indians the natives that would mm-hmm. fr- that would help free them they mm-hmm. would team up 
and they would like like uh they would go up and down like How just slash has it. There not been a my boy Dorian my my boy Dorian I mean, is a Gulagishi, uh Ali, uh Charlemagne Gullah, the God is one. Gulagishi? Yeah, they have like yeah. so they have Gola Gola uh, they made a Gola Gola yeah, Island. Gola Gola Island, but yes, yeah, the Gola Island basically. Really? Um, cuz there's a lot of islands in South Carolina people don't know about like Hilton Head, um Hilton Head's Buf- fun. Yeah, Buford the Buford Islands, yep. like Deer Island, stuff like that. So um, a lot of the Geechees are either between there and or Charleston. Can't remember exactly where like Cuba so on the island. coast, more towards the coast. Some are in the coast, some are in inner cities, but a lot of them are in the coast. They like the old school. They go fishing, hunting. People mm. can grow farms. Like they're, they're the old school guys. There. Yeah, you said religious. you grew up on a farm. That was what made me uh, wonder. Yeah, <laughs> now nah, because um, well, similar lifestyle we have in our family. I'm just not one. Uh, but they have an interesting language. They even have a Bible written in the, the broken English that they really speak. Yeah. So is it, it's kind of almost like. Caribbean then in that regard is that yeah they, is have, that, yeah, they have a it's like a it's broken up between that and the Caribbean because a lot of them are from the West Indies and mm-hmm. like stuff like that I don't know their full history but that is what I know of them as far as that that you know and their food is good that's how I learned how to make a we had this thing called Buford stew and um that's who taught me how to make it was those people it's pretty cool Buford stew yeah they take like a big ass Dutch oven it's like this big and they'll like throw like Potatoes in there, like um, crawdad, crawfish for those I don't know what that is, uh, lobster tail, crabs, mm. whatever. And they'll mix it all together with corn and stuff, and they'll just put like Cajun seasoning in. They'll just broil So it's like it. a boil. So it's like it's, it's like, like a crawfish boil. boil type of a deal? Yeah. That's some good stuff. Ooh, is that's some good food right there. Yeah, it is. It's expensive as fuck now. So. It is very expensive <laughs> to do a boil, man. Yeah. That's a big flex people don't realize when those guys are doing those, like, five-gallon boils and stuff, like, doing yeah. those crab boils for Instagram. I'm like, man, that's yeah. a thousand-dollar that's yeah. a, that's a that's a right? boil. That's yeah, a that's big flex right there, then, dude. Uh, it was $100, and that was expensive, so it was increased tenfold. Yeah. Bro, I had crawfish etouffee. Etouffee. In etouffee New Orleans. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. That's, like, New in Orleans my top ten good. food yeah. right now. That's, that's my favorite. That's my favorite New Orleans food for sure mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, they have, uh, like, um, I know, like, in uh, – not New Orleans. That they they're very similar. Obviously, a little bit different, but like they're very similar cooking style. Those are in Charleston because there's a mixture between those two. So you grew up. You grew up on a farm. You're in South Carolina, and uh, did, were you this size when you were in high school? Were you playing football? Were you playing basketball? Were you an athlete? Like you know? Oh yeah, I was an athlete. Um, I didn't really play sports until later. Um, I played a little bit of football. It didn't last long. Maybe one like part of one season, and then I ended up playing basketball. Um, so I played basketball at a place called Airport High School. Um, wasn't the best. I, I my, my first year I sucked. I was like on third string, and then I went to um, there was a coach that was willing to work with me. So I ended up working with this guy, and he um, got me to varsity. Mm-hmm. I ended up moving to a different school. I got cut from that team. I just wasn't good. I honestly wasn't good enough to be on that team. It was one of the best teams, and then um, I ended up going to a military academy called Willow Gray Opportunity School. It was a, like. Like for those that are troubled going down the wrong path or whatever, so and that you you were troubled, you were going down the wrong path. Um, kind of. I used to get bullied a lot, and then one day I just snapped. Who is seeing you and bullying you? I was a I was a twig. You were a twig, punk. Yeah, I cried all the time. I was a twig. Um, and one day is I this? Were you uh, were you growing up in an area? Was it? Um, were you pretty much in a primarily all black area? Were you experiencing racism? I mean, is this oh, like? Oh yeah, dude. Not like a lot of people don't realize. Like I'm, I'll be 37 in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. 
So even in my time, like a lot of people, they speak about race, so they don't know a real race. Like, dude, I used to see the Klan and shit. Actual Klan. Mm. Yeah, I saw the actual Klan. Matter of fact, the last time I had an interaction with the Klan was in 2015. I went to the, and sorry if I'm jumping all over the place. Nah, 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 nah. that's what it is. Yeah, I went to, um, in a nutshell, I went to this, um, remember Dylan Roof shot up this, uh, the church. That's right. Yeah, he got shot at church and try. I actually know. I actually know some of his family. That's actually, like, Dylan crazy. Roof. Yeah, I know some of his family out there and everything. So he shot up the church. Ooh, so so people. you know Dylan Roof's family? How? Parts of them, yeah. Well, they're in a, it's a small community. Let's put it that way. Oh, we that, know of. Matter of fact, there's a fighter that actually was one of the first responders there. His name is Odie Delaney. He's a fighter now. And um, he was one of the first responders, messes him up to his day what he saw. But you'd have to ask him the details of that. But I knew about that. And um, if I remember correctly, one of the saddest parts of that story, too, as if there's any not ridiculously sad part. But there there, there was like an older woman who was like sitting there like praying for him while he was doing this. Yes. And, And trying to get him to sit down and pray with her. Uh, that I mean, the the did he ever describe why he did it? What what the what he said? Uh, not I can't say verbatim, but I think he was saying that uh, in a nutshell. I guess he didn't like where the like he thinks that blacks were causing problems, stuff like that, and that mm-hmm. there's gonna be a race war. It had something to do with that, but I don't know the full details. So he walks into a church of all places. Well, he was going to like, he he chose a place where he knew there were like, most of those guys are aren't they're cowards, man. They're not gonna go in. I, I guarantee you, would have walked up in the hood, shot up the hood, and he yeah. would have died within the first couple of rounds. Yeah, yeah. He went where they, he knew there'd be path of least resistance. resistance. Yeah, least resistance. There'll be no one there to be armed. Um, so that's what happened. So. In a nutshell of that one, um, he yeah he shot the place and then he turned um, he turned around he got he got uh, caught by the cops not too long and they took him to Burger King shit that shit annoyed me. They but, took Dylan Roof to Burger King. Yeah, gave him some eating shit after he ran and shit after he shot up these people. It was weird. That's why a lot of blacks were yeah, upset. So yeah. the reason I'm telling you that part is because this what so what they what the legislation decided to do is they decided to remove took us 60 years but it took us them plus that shooting up the church to remove the Confederate flag. Cause they hung it from the the state house in Columbia, mm-hmm. so my mom couldn't go that day because they were going to lower it. I guess it was July. I can't remember the exact day. I have the pictures, but um, it was in July. So this was in your community. Yeah, so it was so in my community. So and I'm aware of the church and everything. I have family members that are like they're affiliate with the church, so oh, that's wow. why it was important. So I went out there and um went to the state house, which is in Columbia. It's only 15 minutes away from my mom's house. Um, so I went out there and then um. They lowered the flag. They took it to the museum. The government, the government, the gov- I forget her name's Indian chick. I forget her name, but she ended up giving a speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then she left. Not Nikki Haley. What was her yeah, name? Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So then she, t- um, so after she left, um, everyone's starting to leave. But then you know the different groups are coming out. All the political groups and stuff. Sure. Like that, the anti-abortion. Like all, they just want to spew whatever. Jump on it. Yeah. Yeah. So then, not too long after that, the gang. I knew that was going to be a problem because the gang showed up. Like the Bloods, the Crips, and with they're working together. Well, like, I imagine that there people have to want. Revenge. They got to be out for blood after something like that. You figure? Yeah. Well, they were there in response to the clan showing up. Who? So wait. So the clan showed up to this? Yeah, they came out there. It was like on video. Do you remember crazy. any of this? No. Yeah, it was crazy. It's either the, either the clan or some sort of. I don't know if they were white supremacists. I can't remember who they were. They didn't have on the hoods. They had mm-hmm. on militaristic, like uh, down like black outfits. Sure. And this predated Trump. Is that correct? This is. is nah, this, this is at like the end of the Obama. Yeah. This is like 2015, dude. Yeah, this is at the yeah, end of the Obama years, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like from 2000. Yeah, so it's after mm. the end. 
So yeah, he um was right at almost at the end. So then um, like I said, I had a run in with them. Long story short, fights broke out. It got nasty. I even got in a fight. In a fight with the clan. One of the guys, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think he was drunk or on drugs or some shit. Mm-hmm. Long story short, so I don't incriminate myself, but long story short, some guy Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly a guy spit on me. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the worst things you could do to me. Yeah. If not the worst thing you could do to me. I'd yeah. rather you stab me. I don't want to be spit on. Uh, yeah. I've, I've been stabbed. Both. It hurts. Yeah. I don't want to be spit on. Yeah, maybe yeah. in a post pandemic. Am I the only yeah. guy here who hasn't been stabbed? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey. Yeah, hey, I've been, I've been stabbed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Sucks. Would not hours. recommend. Yeah. Don't You're recommend. You're doing good. It. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. But yeah, that's what happened. Long story short, stuff happened. And um, yeah, that's that's part of that history. So that so you're you're going through all of that racial strife. You're 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 finding yourself going down, I guess, the wrong path, and then you somehow find yourself in the military. Well, yeah. So yeah, I got in trouble. I got into a fight with a kid, Jamaican kid. I can't remember his name, but yeah, he basically uh, he would bully me and my brother, and I had enough. So I ended up beating up the younger brother, and I chased the older brother with my mom's van, and cra- it was crazy. So. They said you go to a military academy, so I went mm-hmm. up going. I went to live with my dad, and I eventually went to the military academy. And then from there, I got recruited into the U.S. Navy. Wow. Yeah, so, so all this racial issue that's happening, all this strife that you're living through, and it's a Jamaican that, that puts you over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, well, he, just, he, just, he just wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't I, leave I, you alone. Yeah, I got bullied by everybody. Whites, blacks, Hispanic, it didn't matter. Everybody was out to get me for some reason. Cause I was like the tall skinny kid. You be the tall skinny kid. You, and I, I probably was. I can't remember everything about myself. I was probably a trash. I wouldn't. I don't know. But did you story, bring it upon yourself, or was it just like you no? Know, sometimes like I, was, I look goofy to some kids, man. Because I was the light skinned black kid. No, like the dark skinned kids didn't like me. The white kids didn't like me. So like, I would have been your friend, bro. Yeah, I hope so. I don't want to fight you. Sure. Now, were you were you, <laughs> were you doing jujitsu back then? Were you aware of jujitsu back then? Or? I didn't know what that was. All I knew was taekwondo, karate, and wrestling and boxing. That's mm-hmm. really all I knew. Yeah, um, that's all I heard of anyway. I didn't do any. I did a little bit of taekwondo. I studied it for off and on for about ten years. Well, spoiler alert: you become you know one of the better coaches around, and you become a, a second degree black belt and you know a champion in, in your own right. But yeah, and people, I gotta give him a compliment too because I've seen you guys rolling and stuff. I think Devin has some of the best body mechanics for especially for someone his size. Yeah, like the way like you move like, and I take body body mechanics very like seriously. Yeah. Like you can tell like someone's kind of capabilities based on that. Yeah, you know what I mean. I could, I could, I saw that right away when I watched you guys rolling. Move, I can yeah. see the way you move, like you move, can flip your hips, different, you know, yeah, high level miss, shit. Yeah, with people, especially someone strong as Gerard, uh, the last thing I want to do is have um, poor mechanics and poor movement behavior. I yeah. mean, you could try yeah, it I once it, or twice. That'd it, be fun if you would just. <laughs> I call it, yeah, if be, I mess up poor mechanics call, one time, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, if you move wrong, <laughs> like, you get injured. Like, yeah. also, if you move wrong, get injured. That's poor uh, movement. Um, but even the mis- way uh, you call it misbehavior movement, <laughs> the way you move, some people would hurt themselves trying to move that way. You know what yeah. I mean? But you have that capability to do that. You know? yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's what landed me in the military. Um, two thousand three is when I signed up in November, and then I officially went in. I think not too long after that. And yeah. the, so you go into the military, and the next thing you know, you're deployed, you're in combat, you're, you became a guard in Guantanamo Bay, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to, um, so I did. This is a rough first 20 years of life here, man. This is. Yeah, well, this man, is a warrior. This is, yeah. yeah, this is, you yeah. know, at 22, I, I was drinking, you know, Keystone Lights and hanging out with, you know, 
Got cleat mission. chasers in, in Virginia, yeah. man. Well, like, you know? Yeah, before I go any further, you know, life wasn't all too bad. Like, those are rough instances in my life. But um, I, did, I had some good times, too. I got to fish. I learned how to hunt. I did have good male role models in my life. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when you was, think fishing is a good time, you've had a shit upbringing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, don't, don't sleep on fishing, bro. Yeah, when don't you, sleep when, on fishing. When, when, you look back, when, you, when you look back at your childhood and, like, I got to just tell you, the times I was sitting on a boat, all the fuck alone were the best times. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I got to hang out. So, yeah. You wasn't was, fishing alone, man. You and he me going fishing, fishing in the dark. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's a little, little lady out there with you. Hey, ma'am, you want to come fishing with me now? <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. I'll, 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 show, I'll show you how to hook a worm. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so. That doesn't even make sense. Huh? <laughs> That's not it. Hook a word. Hook a word. If you think about it, right, about right, it from it South Carolina, it's kind of, yeah. yeah. It sounds okay. right. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, that's how I landed in the military. And um, my first, I got in the boot camp, um, I want to say April. I want to say April 2004. And then um, after I graduated boot camp, boot camp was a walk in the park. A lot of people think boot camp was hard. Boot camp was easy. Um, the hardest part was the swimming, which I failed continuously because black people can't swim. But that used to be a joke. Believe it or not, that was a running joke. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I, I apologize for our guest, Devin Moultrie, spewing this hatred. Yeah. Next thing we're going to know, how are you at ice skating? Are you any, any good at ice skating, bud? I actually learned how to ice skate huh? when I was in the Navy. Yeah. Progress. Yeah. That's the light skin. I fell down every time. I ran over kids. Every <laughs> <laughs> I ran over a small group of kids. I was like, I hope it ain't dying. Yeah. I'm killing any of the kids. Dude, that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Siano, Mickey, Mickey Siano over here is like, so, hey, man, how come you, how come you guys aren't having any uh, any any guests of color? And we're like, we got to have Devin on. Are you kidding me? Devin's going to be the best. And then immediately Devin comes I'm black, on. I'm like, I'm black, little, people can't swim. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm black. I'm a little deluded. You know. but, yeah, yeah, but boot camp was easy. I got through boot camp, and I got uh, stationed on a ship called the USS Oscar Austin back in 2004. Um, they were basically went on deployment not too soon after. Um, not too long after I got there, excuse me. And then um, we and what, what year is this now? 2004. Oh, so we're, we're like right in the middle of Iraq, Afghanistan. Yeah, the surges were still happening, like um, stuff like that. So um, so you you knew that there was there was good chance. When you were signing up, you knew that there was a good chance you were going to see active combat. I did not know. I actually didn't have a good chance. I, I didn't see it as a possibility at one point unless I went to Bud's. I thought about it because I would see all the shows, mm-hmm. and then I went there, and they killed my dream almost instantly. Your ASVAB score is too low because I kind of Christmas tree. I made like a 48 or a 50 on it. I can't remember. I retook it, but then I was like, you know, I kind of like the job I'm doing. You know, it's not hard. I'm not getting shot at. No one's beating me up or whatever. So, like, my first job was um, I would more ships to, like, piers and stuff, or I would be rest ship, you know, stuff like that. But then I did what you call an individual augmentation. So, I think, like, partway after we – I can't remember the exact time. So, basically, I went through this training. It lasted roughly five, almost six months, and then – um. This is right around time, I think. So hold on, I'm trying. To and what what type of training are you guys doing? Are they are they again? Are they teaching you jujitsu? Are they teaching martial arts in, in the military? No, or? no, no. Um, majority of my like so my original like like what they had me trained for is detainee operations originally, and then it's like okay, well you're already what here. was that detainee operations? Yeah, there's a there's a term for it that they have it on my D. I wish I had my DU two fourteen with me. That's why I'm trying to remember the time frame. But basically, they did. Detaining operations, like a month and a half of training, and then another couple of months we were doing, like, we learned how to clear buildings, stuff like that. And then um, we learned, um, 
I went through like a survival school, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like they call it SEER. And then um, after that, I ended up going on the deployment. So wow. like I said, not too long after that, I went on the regular deployment. Not a, not Iraqi, but went on a, what we call a med cruise. So I think I went to boot camp in April, May, June, 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 July, August, September, October. Like not too long after that, I went through the um, training or whatever. And then we went on the deployment. Went on deployment for about eight months. Or six, seven, yeah, it was about seven months actually, and then we got back, and then not too long after that, um, they said, "Okay, we're going to send you over here to Basra." So I went to Basra. I'd say oh, like July, August. I can't remember the exact times. August, and then all the way up to about November. So I wasn't there a full six months. So you, when you were growing up, right? Mm-hmm. You said that you were getting picked on. You know, mm-hmm. probably had a little bit uh, of a negative self-image or some insecurity if that was happening, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're going through this training. Do you do you feel yourself changing? Do you feel yourself becoming more confident? Are you, are you how are you the person changing in in this environment? Is this environment making you uh, better, worse? Is it pushing you? Did you feel like you fit into it? Did you feel like it was working for you? Did you feel like it was a mistake? What was your what was your mental state in this moment? Um. I gained some confidence. Um, I didn't learn like martial arts, not to what a degree. I don't know today. They teach you like a like a combatives. Base. It's combatives. It's not even like what is combatives. You could probably answer that better. Yeah. So basically, what they do is they teach you functional martial arts. So basically, they'll teach you how to, okay take down an opponent, disarm, how to break limbs, stuff like that. very mm-hmm. very basic. Um, like you can't do certain throws because you don't want your belt or your vest to get hooked up. Um, yeah. Um, they teach you how to do arm bars. They have like basic like and I learned like I didn't know what I was doing with jujitsu, but they were showing how to do arm bars, um, triangles, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, they even taught us even a variation of the heel hook. So this is is like this that. stuff about like how to get to your firearm or how to get to your weapon and stuff? Because shockingly enough, and Mickey has a great stat where he says that um, I forget where you found the stat, but people are fourteen thousand. Four people are fourteen thousand times untrained le- people. Untrained people are fourteen thousand times less effective in combat than they think in a fight than they think they are. Yeah, yeah, because like uh, a lot of times, let's say if you're trying to, like, let's say if I walk into a room, if you have a rifle, someone disarms your rifle. A lot of yeah. people don't know how to use their hands, or if you have a gun, someone might take the gun or the knife away from sure. you and use it against you. That's normally what happens. I've seen. Well, I, I'll tell you, and I love guns. You go to shoot. Right, and you get and you're shooting. You're at the range, and you're you're sitting there, and you you eye down the target. You take a deep breath, and you're like, "Man, I can center mass anybody. I'm amazing." Yeah. And then you do like one tactical training, and like it's impossible to get the gun out of your holster. Yeah, because you're, you're like, like well, "How do I get this thing out? My, oh my god, I'm gonna die!" Yeah, my experience was, like ah, that's loud. <laughs> yeah, my, well, I grew. But one thing that helped me was I grew up shooting rifles. So, and I've had I've had adrenaline rushes with animals, like hunting animals. So, being in that situation, I was able to deal with it better than the average person. Mm-hmm. But I, like the one thing is like I remember the first time we did a. I think the first one I did was a. I failed the pistol course three times. You failed the pistol course three times, dude. Because um, they would have us. What they would do is they'll have us start at like a fifty or sixty meter line or whatever. I can't remember. You shoot two shots and you run to the first cover, shoot two or three more, run to the next cover, reload, shoot, shoot, run to it, and then you get up to the three targets and you have to clear three targets. I think you have to put two rounds in each target within a few seconds. They're like, Devin, you are six foot eight. You've got shot 18 times over in the course of this. Yeah, yeah. Big target. <laughs> Big but, target. Yeah, so I didn't realize that pistol was different from the rifle. So that's, that was the biggest issue I had. But then eventually I got it nailed on the fourth try. Um, rifle, I... 
that was instant for me. It was mm. not, but then a shotgun was interesting. I never had to use it in combat or like in a situation like that. But like shotguns are for you. What what was your most effective firearm in combat? Did you uh, feel best with? Um, M16 was fine. AK47 was good too. Um, more tissue damage. AK47. The M16 was probably the most in the market. The one gun I liked um, when um, we did um, we did a like a. Opera, I can't talk about it, but base operation. We had these uh, Mark 18s. Mm-hmm. It's like a little small, because it's like a toy gun. It's a little, like, five, five, six you know, toy gun. It's like this big. She was like the M16. Right? Like an M4, but smaller. That was a pretty cool gun. I like. I got to shoot. And then um, the sidearm we had was an M9. No, it was an M9, but Beretta. And you were in the military now for <clears throat> five years, five and a half years? No, I was only in for, like, five and a half years, some change. And you ended up, how, how did you end up in Guantanamo Bay? Um, well, like I said, well, I got to go back a little bit. So when I was, I got sent over to, um, Basra and then I came back. Basra is in Iraq. Iraq yeah. yeah. It's like Southern, like Lord. So I came back and I already had the credentials still. They sent me back to training. So I got, I went on a deployment in 2006. After I came back from there, I went to Virginia mm-hmm. and then, um, I went through what we call the A school. And I became what we call operation specialist, like radar men, charts, navigation, stuff like that. And then I got stationed in San Diego. So you're like kicking ass in the military, man. You're, oh, I'm you're, doing good. I'm, I'm yeah. moving up. I wasn't the best. I wasn't my best self in the military, but I was moving up. I was doing well. I was gaining rank and everything like that. So I went through um, the A school. It's like six weeks. So it's not a hard course. Mm-hmm. What comes after is hard. So then I go to uh, San Diego. And then we immediately go on another deployment in 2006. So we go to the um, Pac- uh, Sp- uh, Pacific cruise. Mm-hmm. And that's where we go like to Melanesia, like uh, Japan, stuff like that, Asian countries, stuff like that. How I'm, often are you able to come home during this time over the six <coughs> years? Are you, are, you, are you coming home? Is your family seeing you at all? Or? Not much, no. Matter of fact, at one point, I, went, I didn't talk to them for three years. Your family? Mm-hmm. Because um, there was a lot of stuff that happened. It was crazy. Mm. That's a long story within itself, but... Yeah, that's when up happened. I went on deployment in 2006, so I went from A school. Like I said, my time's on, like, I went from there to A school, to A school, to right on deployment. They were already on deployment. They had just left Australia. They were about a month into a six-and-a-half-month deployment. So I met them in, I think, uh, Bahrain. Then we went to Thailand and Hong, Hong Kong, all those places. It was fun. And then we ended up um, well-traveled. Yeah, well yeah, traveled all over the place, huh? Yeah, I went to a lot. I think in that deployment, are you getting R and R in these places? You having any fun in these places, or uh, what? Yeah, is yeah, it all? Man, hookers and food. What's that, now? Hookers and food in that order? In that order. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so allegedly, allegedly. No, it wasn't alleged. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I like it. No, that shit happened. Keep it real, man. That's what it's all about. All the way real. Slick it there. I don't even care if my wife's watching. It happened. (laughs) (laughs) So I end up coming back. I was a different man. It was war, baby. Yeah, so I came back. um, I came back, and then they said, okay, Devin, we have another set of orders for you. Um, I I said, okay, where where y'all want me to go? Now they said Cuba. So I think in, I think November, no, December, December 2006, right after we got out of deployment, I went, that I remember that time, that time mark. So I went through the training. I can't remember exactly everywhere we went. I think we went to Washington State, um, Biloxi, Mississippi, and some part of Tech, uh, Fort Hood, I think it was, to do part of my detainee operation training. Then we went 
Somewhere else. I can't remember. It was crazy. We were traveling all the time. operates. So you're doing this a lot. So what are you? Are you like a bag man? Are they sending you in to like grab people? What's This is the second time you brought up detainee operations. So Let's. my job is basically like, it sounds bad, but it's really not. It's really do you guarding the prisoners of war. Okay. Yeah. So there was one part where, okay, we were capturing people and then my job was to guard them. Okay. So, and I did both. But you're not doing any of the interrogations or anything none like that. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I wasn't doing interrogations. None of the so. none of the human rights disasters that were occurring. No, no. and honestly, like when you go to Cuba, it was different than what most people think it is. Matter of fact, there was a joke on the ship that um, when I got back from Cuba, and I'll get to that part in a second. But back when I was um, getting back from the, um, Cuba. They had the Hero and Kumar uh, skates from Guantanamo Bay. That's yeah, right. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And like someone's like one of the new guys. I remember his last name was Wild. So he comes up to me. And he's like, because they they coast him up, and I'm over there listening to him. I was like, they gonna, he's gonna come and ask me something stupid. So I'm watching. I'm enjoying the movie. He's like, did any of that stuff happen? I said, yeah. And he's like looking at me like crazy. He's like the whole. I was like, yeah, caught me sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "You see, I, ha- I told him. I said, you see how happy I am.' I, said, I was well relieved out there. <laughs> so <laughs> we were joking around, stupid shit. So, but not nah, Cuba's not what people think it is now, especially now. So, what do you mean by it's not what people think it is? Because people think it's it it's you know that and Abu Ghraib are the two worst prisons on the planet, and you know this is mm-hmm. you know where there's like human rights disasters happening there, and we are." You know, breaking the the Geneva Convention and every international treaty, mm. interrogating. No, no, not even close, man. Like we feed them tannies three, four times a day. Like um, they have different camps. The worst ones are like Camp One, Two, Three, and all that stuff. This is they where have, the this is where the people who uh, perpetrated nine eleven were, or allegedly mm-hmm. perpetrated nine eleven. Yeah, some most of them are either soldiers. Some were just in the wrong place, wrong time. Like um, some had information that was valuable. Um, most of them are captured soldiers or whatever, mm. or insurgents or whatever. So, we, um, when I was out there, they were, for the most part, they were fed well. They had clean clothes every day, and we made sure the food was, um, coat halal, I think they call it. Halal. Halal. Yeah, they don't, we separate everything. We did everything to the T. Um, we didn't beat the detainees. Matter of fact, the only time I even had to use my hands was one time the detainee bit me and we were allowed to use, they call it a super scapula, I think it is. You chopped him on the neck and then he lets go. It shocked him because he's never been hit before by, oh, wow. like, while he was in the camp. But that's the worst I've ever seen was when I did it. Um, but most of the time, the detainees are throwing shit on you. I've got shit thrown on me in my Ugh. face. I've had urine you t- thrown You on take me, right? uh, shit over spit? No. He, d- he, he, did, he did seem to get a little more upset about the spit than he yeah. did about the shit. Yeah, yeah no, that's true. I don't yeah. like being spit on. I've been spit on like by different like that shit. Because it's the intention, right? It's the yeah. The, they're like, right in your face. They yeah. yeah. Someone yeah. throws shit at you. Almost got to respect it a little bit. It's like yeah. you know, the, the, there's was a no, process involved here. This yeah, was, yeah. I didn't see that shit coming. Pop, <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least I don't see that shit coming. No pun intended. The whole the whole spit thing. You see that coming? Yeah. So. Yeah, so that's what happened. Um, so, and, so, so the the people who have this idea, we, you know, we have the pictures that were in the press of, of these. Um, the, you know, nah, the, the original, yeah, the original. The, the guys original. were being, I guess, tortured, or they were they made the people naked, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah. Abu Ghraib. Don't that's get right. me wrong. Not, don't get me wrong. I don't know what happened in Cuba for them, but while I was out there, it was very transparent. Matter of fact, CNN. I hate those fuckers, but they were out there all the time. Devin, I hate CNN too. I. Hate CNN, hate them, can't stand them. They're stupid. So, sorry. 
No, that's a short clip. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they were out there all the time, and the correspondents were out there, and um, and they caused more. Ooh, I thought I messed up. But anyway, they caused more problems than they were worth. Mm. Um, they're out there fishing for a story. They were out there trying to. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we had. I think the one thing we had. I can talk about it now because I know it's in WikiLeaks. But basically, we had a detainee. We had to move him to a different cell. We had nowhere to put him, so they put him in a cell he didn't want to be in. Um, so, yeah, but you're he, in prison, so you don't get to choose your. Yeah, cell. you don't get to. Choose. Yeah. But the thing is, he already had like, like I can't tell you his name, but basically, long story short, he was treated very well there. He had he had access to lawyers. He had good food, steak, lobster. Like, dude, he lived in a nicer cell than everybody else. He could talk to his family. Wow. He had access to books. He's learned how to write his own. Like, it was crazy. But he had information, like bombs and stuff like that. But we had to put He's big. He's, like, my height. But he's, like, I think he's taller than me. He's, like, 6'9". Call him the general. Really? Strong as shit. And we didn't, like, we had like we had to put him in this place. He didn't want to be there. So he tried to kick the sword, um, cell door down. So we had to do a forced cell extraction on him. We go in there. We march on the block. And, um... I'm picturing the dude from Longest Yard, by the way. It's interesting because I'm thinking of M. Bison from no, Street Fighter. No, this dude, yeah, oh, this dude was pretty big. So we go in there, we lock him up and everything. But that the funny thing is, the guy that was in front of me, the shield guy, my job was to handle the arms. The other guy behind me, I think, is the legs. I can't remember exactly the, the like how we were set up because it happened quick. We march on there, everybody knows what's coming, mm-hmm. so everybody's like shutting up because they don't want none of this because we're all armored to the teeth, man. We got like these uh, look like a like a motorcycle helmet, yeah. Body armor shit. So we march yeah. on there. Boom, 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 boom. What boom. do they call that? Compliance through superior force? Was that as a- something like yeah, that? Yeah, I don't yeah. even know. But long story short, we end up on going there. In, in the process, like we end up knocking this guy up against like the edge of his um, sink or something. We cut his head open. We're slipping in blood and shit and stuff, mm. trying to pin this guy down. And then he finally calmed down. We cuff him up and everything. And then like we got in trouble. So. <laughs> Jesus. Luckily, we had a really good combat cameraman, so he's watching the whole thing. He had a good angle, so it didn't look because they thought we were like striking him and shit. Mm-hmm. That's wild, man. That, yeah. So now you, I imagine going from that to back to the real world is probably. Uh, it was strange, John. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what we were talking about before. It was um, like even when I was overseas, you'll go through something really bad, like, like two. Three weeks later, you're in when like that was my experience. I went. Could you um, uh, could you get more specific? Like we were talking about before, like what like when you say something really bad. Yeah, like, so some, like something like the violence and the yeah. Know, so you'll go through a violent act, like even in Iraq or even in Cuba or any of those places I went to. We would um do something really bad. Like you'll you'll kill somebody. You'll see something. You'll witness something very traumatic. Bad, traumatic. Yeah. And then we will, like. We'll go through the process. They'll do like what we call a debriefing, basically, or um, stand down. We'll they'll basically tell us for three hours: don't beat your wife, don't do this, don't do that, don't kill yourself, whatever. And then they send us back home. So then, wait, 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 wait! No, no we can't move on uh, past that because yeah, the way the, the way you poo pooed that was like, hey guys, uh, no, you did some uh, terrible shit. For, we for sent you to months do that. or years, and then uh, they give you a three hour de- yeah. like. Yeah. The briefing course, the yeah, yeah. yeah so they gave me and the, the fact that they even have to be like, hey guys, also by the way, don't beat don't your wife, don't kill home. anybody yeah. or yourself. That yeah, would be they, rad. Yeah, even when I was in Cuba, yeah, I still thanks. remember that one Good too. They gave us, me. yeah, they gave us this. Uh, they they gave us the briefing. How I many remember, people are doing that? Sorry to cut you off, that far. Mm-hmm. The, the how many people? I mean, just think of the consequences of like having that conversation. That they have so many numbers available to them. That they know that these are the proclivities of the people. 
that are going to leave, right? Like, yeah. hey, guys, don't beat your wife. Don't kill anybody. Try not to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like, all right, high five. Like, oh, there, there's even- no process of, uh, of like... You know, uh, you know how do how do you process right. this trauma? Like, there's none of that. No, not any, like they probably doing now, but like that's what I heard they're doing. That, dude, that ain't the worst part. Like the so when you get back, I remember I suffered. Like I remember my final deployment. I came back and I obviously suffered from PTSD. I was stressing out during the deployment, the last deployment, and um, that was in 2008, and. It was a lot of factors to it, but long story short, they sent me back home, and it was clear I had PTSD. But they wanted me back on deployment. They wanted me, wanted me to be ready to go back wherever they needed me to go back on. Because <clears throat> we can call left and right over there, mm. and um, they basically would tell us to tell the doctors that we were fine, and we would do it. It's almost like you were getting punished for being good at your job. Yeah, well. It does something to you. Like I said, we, we talked about it before. It does something to you. When you go on these deployments, it does something to you. You get used to things that you're normally not supposed to be used to. It desensitized. It des- well, not just desensitize you. It puts you on alert the entire time. I swear to um, – I had to read a book on this so I can understand it myself, but, like, um, it puts you in a state of, like, uh, anxiety, fight or flight. Anxiety. Hide, like, you're in that fight or flight. Yeah, that's perfect. Fight or flight, like, anxiety, stuff like that. And you don't know how to shut that off, and you can't. That's why a lot of the veterans are killing themselves. They don't know what else. You lose your, like, especially when you got out the military, you lose your purpose or what you perceive as your purpose. And, and when people, when you right. say a lot, I don't know if everybody knows, like, how many it is. I used to work with a charity called the 22. Mm-hmm. And 22 people, 22 veterans a day. That was the Every average. single day. That was wow. the average. Yeah. That was the average. And it's not even just That's from so my war. Like I mean, it's, v- it's unreal. Yeah. And, um... Like I don't talk about it too much, but that was the I was almost a statistic. I actually hung myself, and um, luckily the thing broke, and I ended up going to the VA. They Baker acted me for like two weeks, I think. So wait, wait. So holy shit! When you when when you got out of the military, mm-hmm. you you I was homeless. That was it. Uh, my life was over. I was homeless. I got out in 2009. I was homeless in California. I drove from California to South Carolina. I was able to get up enough money. And then um, they didn't leave me any money. They, I ended up going to South. Not, don't get me wrong. I understand why they were going to recoup the bonus, so I had to pay a bunch of money back and stuff. They took my leave money. I stayed up like fifty four days of leave. They, that should have gave me like three grand, but they didn't do that, so I didn't have enough money to get back home. So I was able to get some money. I drove all the way from California to South Carolina. Things didn't work out there. I was having these nasty flashbacks, man. It was bad. They gave me like quietapine and um, like trezodone and stuff like that, which made it worse. I was having hallucinations and shit. And then um, I ended up going to big. My mom didn't want nothing to do with that, so I was out on the street. And there were people who helped me, but generally I ended up on the street. So went to Arizona. I don't even know how the fuck I went to Arizona. I went to Arizona. You're, <laughs> just, then, you're just searching for something, man. Well, my ex fiance was out there. I thought I can. Re- re- I was like, she was in the Navy with me, maybe, and then it didn't work out. So I was homeless in there. That's the worst place to be homeless is Arizona. Hot. It's not just hot. It's almost illegal. Every time I tried to fall asleep, there's a cop shining a light in my window. There's wow. a tall black male in here. It's like, you can't sleep here. You can't sleep. So. Well, how, how does, I mean, what's your what's your thinking there? I mean, here you are literally going all over the world fighting for the country. You come back. And yeah, the bravest and the baddest, the ones who, who are sacrificing the most and then tossed out. Like, yeah. thanks, see you later. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking so, crazy. It should have a lifetime pension. Yeah, and it was mm-hmm. crazy. So we end up, um, and they take care of, like, the VA takes care of me now. But, like, when I, like I said, it took me years because we had to fight them, too. So um, we had to, um, 
I ended up coming to South Florida. It's funny. I was watching Burn Notice, and that's how I was like, got the idea to move to Miami. Went there. It's a great hated, show. Yeah, I love that show. Yeah. Hated Miami, though. So <laughs> I found my way to Fort Lauderdale, and um, I lived in a halfway house off and on until I was able to get myself on my feet. I went to college. I went to Kaiser University. That helped me get the GI Bill. I was able to build from there. I started doing jujitsu not too long after, which that's a funny story within itself. Because I ended up going the wrong way. I was looking for a place to sleep. And I saw Team Popovich on Oakland Park Bowl. So you're Park. literally homeless. Yeah, I was literally homeless. I was looking for a place to sleep, and there was Team Popovich sitting right there. This is, I remember it was December 2000, um, 2010, mm. 2011, February 2011. Late February is when I started jujitsu. Interesting. Loved it so much. I trained literally two, three times a day, and it took me five years, and I got my black belt. That's and you're, you're an absolute yeah. savage on the mat. Yeah, I loved it. So, I, so, I fell in love you know, with it. It was crazy. And that's what helped my life. My life got better. Yeah. I started meeting people. I was, like, I was competing. I started getting recognized. Um, I started, like, working and stuff like that. You know, you found that community. You found that purpose. Yeah, it's the same camaraderie I had in the military. It's structured. You know where you stand. You have ranks. Um, there's the head guy that's the general. Then you got the little white vessels, the pawns. That's me. <laughs> you can work your way up. It was the same exact thing. It was great. So that's how I was able to rebuild my life. So, We're, you know, getting um, getting back to to the nasty here. I mean, yeah, yeah um, of course. You know, I, I I've been in a dark place as well. Not not as dark as that, but I mean the the thinking that goes into actually putting the noose around your neck. Were you, were you drinking? Were you doing drugs? Were you... No. Matter of fact, I didn't get drunk until my wedding back when I was 34. Wow. <laughs> that was the first time I got drunk. Well, yeah, good, because um, nobody could carry you. Big I, nah, I did. I was on raw emotions, man. No drinks, no drugs. And nah, I just, just didn't want to be there no it. more. I, so I started to get my life together. Like, so what led to that was I was, um, I was living in Columbia at the time. My mom... No, South was, Carolina. Yes, yeah, in South Carolina. And... I found a little place. It was nice. It was buried in the back. I said, no one's going to bother me. It was in, um, off of Two Notch Road. Never forget. And I had a job. It was a small job. It's doing like like basically boxing up things and stuff at night and stuff like that. So yeah. I went in one Friday, got my last check, came back Monday. It was closed. That's when the recession hit. Uh, 2008? Mm-hmm. Lost my apartment two weeks later. So my last day of my apartment, I hung myself. Wow. Yeah, it was bad. And then um, I woke up. The noose had broke. I woke up, came to, realized that was fucking stupid. <laughs> Next door. <Wow. sore. laughs> just cut some of my neck and shit. And I'm like right here and stuff. They they healed up pretty good. So I ended up um, going to the VA. Smart. Yeah. And then, um, which actually made things a little bit worse, to be honest. Because the VA in Columbia at the time was pretty bad. That was yeah. That you was you had you had nobody to reach out to at the time. There was nobody. You know, you said you weren't getting along with your mom. You had no broken up with your fiance. Yeah, you know? there was nothing. Nothing. No one. So what what would you say to somebody that's you know, God forbid, listening to us right now, feeling in a similar situation? What 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 should they do? Like what? How do they recognize what they're feeling? You know, and then and then what process would you recommend that they go through to kind of you know avoid? Getting to that point, um, I'll tell you what I did. I don't know. Everybody's different for everybody, but what I did was um, after you know I got the help I needed, I talked to somebody. That was the hardest thing because, especially being, I know it's the race car, but being in a black community that's stigmatized, because in like at the time it was like you you should be strong, you know. Yeah. 
I think it's amongst men, but definitely in the black community. That's the, uh, it's the Irish community. No, too, it's, yeah, that's yeah. that's, that's yeah, a lot I say it's amongst men man. in general. Yeah, that's yeah. why men are more likely to commit suicide. We don't really have anyone to talk to, so you need to find someone to talk to, work things out. Well, eighty percent. It's not just a little bit. I think yeah, eighty percent of all suicides. Yeah, all suicides are males. So yeah. that's why I learned. That's one of the first things I learned actually. And then um, I actually read books about it. Like one guy I went to. I remember going to the VA, and I remember talking to this guy. He said, "You want to learn about your condition? You need to read about it." from the other veterans that went through it and stuff like that. So that's what I did. And then um, as I read through it and I talked to the right people, um, they medicated me. So one of the things I learned was to actually get off the medication. That was what was messing me up. I mm. couldn't sleep, like, properly. When I would sleep, I would have these vivid nightmares and stuff. Like, that was – so they said, no, nah, you need to stay off that stuff because they're drugging you. They're, they're experimenting on you. They don't even know what to give you. Wow. Yeah, so – that helped diet changes, and then they said you need to go find something to do. You're a man. Go find some shit to do. Go work, um, work out. That's not a small thing. You know, yeah. men need purpose. We have to feel like we're doing something. We have to feel useful. We have to feel yeah. a part of a community, either building our community through family or being a part. We, it, there's something in us that is inherently purpose. It's purpose driven. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Yeah, you got a When people don't have that purpose, so they lose that purpose. There, there's a massive void. You yeah, know, yeah. They, they, and it's not just in the military. I mean, you talk about guys. You know, we talked about this on on a podcast a couple podcasts ago. There's dudes I played with that were first round draft picks. Man, you know, mm -hmm. these are you know guys that are role models. These are guys that have done everything right their whole life, and you know, um, they they get hurt. And yeah. they start taking pills to, like, play through the pain. And nobody considers them a drug addict. Nobody considers them anything like that. There's guys I played with that didn't go through anything that traumatic. Mm -hmm. But they just, when they when you get cut, that's it. The team's done with you. Yeah, You, you can't, don't, you you don't can't hang out with back. your friends anymore. That's yeah. it. They give you a ticket home and, hey, good luck to you, bud. And it's a really weird place to be because... Everybody, you have nobody to talk to because everybody's like, what are you complaining about? You got to live out your dream, all right? Come join the real world with the rest of us. And it's 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 not that easy it's transition. Boring. Yeah, you know, you can't <laughs> you can't go from being on a on a, you know, a billion dollar destroyer, you know, t traveling the world to then coming back to Columbia, South Carolina and working a menial job and feeling like, it oh, was, all right, well, I'm was, lucky. Yeah, I remember those adrenaline rushes, man. I remember those adrenaline rushes, man. I remember, like, first time being in, like, a like a real firefight. I remember the first time being in Cuba. I remember being surrounded by all these people who had purpose. I would do something, and it would, like, literally, I remember I would track contacts. Mm -hmm. Stupid small job. You're sitting there staring at a screen, and then you press a button, you track this contact, and then everybody hears, and now all of a sudden the ship lights up, and then you got all these things, and it's like you started that. That, that was your purpose. Your purpose was to find this, like, little things like that. That that meant something to me. And then you go to, okay, I'm boxing up shit. Mm -hmm. No one's going to know I did this shit. Boxing up shit. Was jiu-jitsu a big part, like, a big, uh, like, very helpful to you? Like, having the community, having, like, you know what I mean? So I always uh, talked about jiu-jitsu, like, when I first started, it was, like, such an outlet. And, like, it was, like, therapy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was, like, I, I you you're, you have to be so focused on not getting choked. You can't think about any other problems you might have. You know what I mean? Because yeah, when you started, your family life was was kind of up in upheaval yeah, as well, right? Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. 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 Nah, yeah. Yeah, with jujitsu, it gave me a different focus, especially when I'm doing jujitsu. Like, my wife, she makes a joke. She says, jujitsu is my first and only love. And I'm like, well, you're right. Married to the game, baby. Yeah, you're lucky jujitsu isn't a person. I would definitely, you'd be the side woman. I'm just joking. And now you train some incredible fighters as well. You work with a lot of great fighters. You train them. Now, you competed now. And those endorphins, too. Like, kind of, I think the last time we were talking about, like, with mental health and stuff, like, getting that exercise and like you know what i mean like getting those endorphins and stuff that shit i know i'm addicted to endorphins well there's you know certain I mean? there's a certain amount of toughness too i got so much respect for you and i got so much respect for him because you know look i'm an asshole i'll fight anybody anytime but mm-hmm. to do it every day yeah like i'm <laughs> Two not times worried, a day. I'm the, like yeah. i compete yeah, yeah I've bro competed before. Like, i don't compete as much anymore i, I, I used to mess yeah. with mick man like you know, we we'd uh, I'd go roll around with you, and then he'd go to play pickleball with me later, and I couldn't move. And he's like, "Yeah, dude, this is this is my day every day. Try that three times a day, and do it for ten years, and then see how yeah. you feel." And I'm like, "But my legs hurt." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's different. Yeah, it's a whole different lifestyle. This and it comes with a sacrifice. It's like a double edged sword. Yeah, I, I grapple with it every day, and no pun intended. Literally, it's like. I'm going to train for five hours and my mind is going to be great. But, you know, now I can't sit on my ass because my legs hurt and I want to play video games. <laughs> do yeah. you do yeah. you ever, I mean, your life is in such a different place right now than it was 10 years ago. You got a wife, you got kids, you got a beautiful house, you mm-hmm. know, you got, a, you got a business, American Combat Gym, you know, like. Yeah. It came, on, my life came a long way and I, uh, I'm, I'm one of those guys, I'm, I'm like a growth, I hate, I hate to use the term growth mindset. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those guys, I don't really care about the destination. I'm more about the journey and that the destination mm. was to get a house, get a family, get a car. The one thing I always wanted was electric car. I got the electric car and now I'm just kind of like cruising now. See what else comes along. What, what would you what would you say to 2009 Devin if you could talk to him? What everything, would you say? I just tell him everything going to be all right. Everything going to be all right. Yeah, we'll get there. Simple as that. Simple as that. But in 2009, there's no way you thought that that was true. I, I didn't think I'd be here today. Yeah. I didn't see myself. I thought I'd be in prison or dead or definitely dead. Definitely tried it again more than likely. Like, I had to find purpose. Pretty pretty incredible that, you know, you didn't resort to drugs or alcohol or anything like that. You didn't look for any. I didn't even try. I didn't even smoke weed until a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird because you look like Rasta. Yeah, right. Yeah, ja. I grew this out because I wanted to try something <laughs> new. Nah, I smoked weed for like a year and some change. It wasn't for me. I hey, I root for people who do it. I, mm-hmm. I think you should, like, definitely support it. You know, everybody, it should be legal, but it's yeah. not for me. I, I, you know, Mick was talking about this earlier. I mean, we really, as a country, especially now, I'm going to get on my uh, Gerard episode, Your soapbox. Uh, my, my soapbox here. Yeah. If we are going to, as a people, just turn a blind eye to the military-industrial complex, if we're going to send, like, what do we think sixty billion to the Ukraine is doing? Like, well, like, right, what do we think that we're sending over fucking pamphlets on how to eat clean? Oh, like, what do we think? Like, that sixty billion is going to kill people. Yeah, it's going to eradicate entire generations of people. We're training people like my buddy Chris was talking about. He's like, dude, you know, you know, imagine China. And I, dude, I love America. I love this place to death. But I have such a hatred for our government. I, I, I just our government is not beholden to us. And they take people, vulnerable people, and they use them and well, discard them. And it, and. I feel us as citizens, man, the more we turn a blind eye to it, the more culpable we are in it. Well, that's the foundation of how we're, how that government's built, if you think about it in the long run. How do you figure? I mean, no institution can escape the founding principles of its origin. Go on. 
I think that at the end of the day, like the way the America was made, how it was taken, and what it is now, and what we continue to do. I mean, we never we're based in war. We're founded in war, and we've never had how how long have we had peace? Well, no, we, we had never 20, have. Yeah, twenty, maybe ten, fifteen, twenty years of peace. We've been at war almost every year since the inception of America. It's very profitable, which makes sense of what I said earlier. But every country on earth every single country like the whole idea of like uh you know you're on native land it's like literally everybody all over the world oh no i mean like like land land is going to exchange hands that's just how it is i mean you look at the history even of israel you look at us you can look at europe Mm -hmm. it's all the same africa all the same but again like we are we you know we as a people, we also can evolve a little bit beyond this. Like again, we talked about the mil- we talked about the navy. The navy's number one job is to patrol oil and internet under under the <laughs> under the ocean. Yeah, I remember, like that's, I remember when they first I remember when they first told us their the purpose is to show a force, and you know, and I was like, okay, but why are we guarding these oil rigs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a show of force for but, the oil. Yeah, yeah, but I understand. I understand. You know why. Um, sometimes it's better just to understanding. Then you can do about it. We can rant and argue. It's just. It's I don't do know it. if there's so, nothing that we could do about it. I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know what's going on. I really I, don't. I think. I think. Well, I, I, I think, think a they, lot of people when they hear this hard stuff, they 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 turn off. They don't. I think that most people like they kind of turn blind out because they feel either they can't do anything about it or they just don't care. Yeah. It's like well, as long as I got my, as long as my car's running, mm-hmm. as long as my electricity's going. As long as I'm able to put tires on my vehicle, whatever, I can feed my family. I don't really give a fuck about the family over there that's getting tortured and destroyed. Yeah. I mean, everybody's complaining. Even about the whole battery car. It's like, okay, it's clean for the environment, but you still need coal. This and the third. I was like, well, you know what? Hundreds of millions of people died to put them tires in your car. How about that? Yeah. Or that, you know, the, the <laughs> children in Africa mining the lithium for the, for the exactly. EV batteries. Yeah. So. Exactly. Chinese people, Chinese kids are like putting together your electronic systems. Well, that, well, again, <laughs> like, you know, so like th- this is government again now, you know, so they. People don't know with the Biden administration, one of the quote unquote good things that they did is they took the the tariffs away from Southeast Asian uh, countries, Vietnam, Korea, Cambodia, to send over uh, solar panels to the United States. Mm -hmm. But they kept the tariffs on China because it's like, yeah, fuck China. But all all these companies did is they bought the stuff through shell companies in either Saudi Arabia or Russia in China shipped it down to Cambodia and then shipped it to America. So we've been buying these Chinese things anyway that have been built by slaves. And again, this is the type of stuff where I lose my mind when I get lectured by some celebrity mm. who's wearing Nikes that are made by slaves in China. I'm like, bro, like, nah, dude, like, come on. There's no reason to be this, this ignorant. We have access to all this knowledge. You know what a funny thing is you say about the Nikes and stuff? I learned something a long time ago. I don't know how much time, but I'll tell you this real quick. Six minutes. Um, we had a... We I had feel a, like we got to do a part two with Dev. Yeah. And I, I hope everyone reaches out. Thanks him for enlightening us yeah, on some of this 100%. shit. And I want uh, I, I, I want to get into more... So I feel like so much, we barely scratched the surface. We did, and I, 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 we so did, I wanted to get like, into the jujitsu and the fighting. We barely oh, got yeah. into any of it. Yeah, no I want to get into his uh, the shitty... The action he saw out there too, you yeah. know what I mean. I bet he's got stories for days. For sure, we we'll definitely yeah, have we to have back. It. But tell I, your story, man. We got some little bit more time. All right. So, how I learned about the Nikes and the Jordan and stuff. So I didn't know anything about this, but that's how one of my first lessons of capitalism as a young adult was. On um, we had a um, uh, he was a master chief of our show. I can't remember his name, and um, black guy, really nice guy. 
until you get on his nerves anyway. But he, um, we would go black to, people. Am I right, Devin? Yeah, so I, I just had to add that in. <laughs> but yeah, so he, um, he's a master chief, very, very, very smart man. He's a multimillionaire, though. He had a stake in a company called 31 Flavors, um, making good money, but it didn't satisfy him. So, what he ended up doing was when we would go to China and stuff like that, we went quite often actually because we were always going deployments. Um, he would he found a link over there. He found some contacts over there that worked at the company, and they would literally send him shoes. Now, if you go over there at the time, I think Jordans and Nikes and stuff like ten, five, ten bucks a pair over there. Like the stuff you're paying hundreds, two hundred dollars over here, he's paying over there five, ten bucks. Yeah, yeah. So he'll take. He made a lot of money. When you're a master chief, you make a lot of money in the military. That's a real thing. He will buy a fuck ton of shoes, dude, a fuck ton, and he will send them back home. And he would just have him stuffed in his garage. Arbitrage. Dude, it was crazy. He <laughs> said, Devin, this is how I make my money. You Hell should yeah. do the same. And I started to, but I was kind of young and ignorant. I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get into business. I just want to mm-hmm. work. But um, he that's what he did. And that's how he made all his money. He said, yeah, you go over there to the source. You get all this, the shoes and the Nikes and stuff. And he told me how they made them. He told me about the whole children, slaves, whatever. He sure. said, fuck all that. Don't worry about that. That's not important. What's important is your bottom line, your pocket. Yep. You take it and you sell it over here for like 10, 15, whatever. I think he was selling, I think it was selling for 110 bucks at the time. Not yep. the same shoes he's selling probably. Dude, bucks. fashion is the dumbest shit in the world. Fashion is just people, you know, it, it's just a giant flex. That's all it is. It's, it's yeah, insecure it's, people trying to flex. But that is Balenciaga, all this stuff going on with Balenciaga. Like, yeah, you yeah. see the clothes? Like, this is some of the ugly, like, the like Satanists, pedophilia, all that stuff, gross, fine. The clothes are disgusting. Why is Balenciaga even a thing? This looks like trash bags. That's the, that's the thing, though. People are. Am I, am I, do I not have class? Am I not classy enough to get nah, the Balenciaga? Dude, I, trust me, when I say I, I, I don't understand fashion like that, but I understand that it is insanely important. It's important enough to where when I was over in, um, um, even when like China went to Singapore and they also did it in Korea, they would tell you, be careful, leave your clothes in there because like, or if you'd have your bags in there, make sure you're locked up in a good place because they would like, I know a lot of those room, the maids and stuff like that. They would yeah. come in there to steal your shit yeah, and they'll sell it because they know they're going to get a buck off of it. They uh, understand I that's important. Tell, I hate to tell you, brother, that shit happens in Jersey too. No, it happens <laughs> everywhere, but that's that's what they that's what I learned. I was like, damn, they're doing that over there. It's crazy. And I that ain't even that's small compared to some of the other stuff I learned over there. That's good, man. I mean, you know, it, that's a good lesson for everybody. Never, never get caught slipping. Yeah. No, whether you're in Newark, New Jersey, Bahrain, in 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 China, regardless. Oh yeah, Hong Kong. So Mick, you got anything we want to close out with, bro? Man, I just I, like I said before. I know we're just I getting guess, started. I feel like here, we're bro. just getting started. There's so much we could delve into, but yeah. you know, thank you for your service and thanks for Definitely. blessing us with uh, your point of view and your stories and all that shit, bro. Yeah, thank you, and yeah. thank you for not you know killing me every time we roll together. Appreciate you, brother. <laughs> you got any shout outs you want to give here, Dev? Yeah. American Combat Gym. Tell people to come by. Yeah, please. American Combat Gym, the head grappling coach there. You have Charles McCarthy, um, Charles Rosa, um, Braden Smith's our striking coach. Miles Fiprong handles the um, the kids' striking um, classes. And um, Matt Wakey, he's about to fight soon, so um, good luck to him. Um, and Steve Williams, our wrestling coach. One shout out to my lovely wife, Victoria Moultrie. Um, I don't know where to go from there. Greg Hardy, he just won his boxing day. Um, 
like I think it's a debut or it might have been a second fight. But yeah, I think he, he had two. I think we're gonna get him in here too. Yeah, I can bring him in here. I just talked to him earlier. Actually, he's doing. He's still in Florida. G has fun between training the with him. between the two of you, bro. I, I oof. No, those, but yeah, that's big some, boys. That's some big boy battles right there, bro. Yeah, he ain't the biggest. Yeah, like. I don't even know who else to shout out. I got so many people. Uh, Kevin C. Paul's my best friend. Well, save the rest out. of them for the next time because yeah, we you're definitely got to have you, bro. Yeah, we got to get you back. We yeah, got to so, get you back. You know, uh, no, no shout outs, free shout outs. This is slick and thick. Uh, if you're, if you're <laughs> Why listening. Why do you say that? Huh? Why do you that? say no that, free shout outs? No free shout outs. That? Uh, that's, that's my shout out to Bustin' with the Boys. No free shout outs. No shout outts. Oh, that's their thing. He loves these guys. I love Bustin' with the Boys. I'm the Boys. Yes. Yeah, so guys, thanks for tuning in. If you made it this far, go a little further. You can follow us here use the code snt for free you get everything on gas digital for free everything. if you use code snt follow mickey gall the man the slick th- slick mick the ruler follow gerard michaels the funniest man you never heard of follow devin moultrie and let us know in the comments how much you like them and we'll have them back ladies and gentlemen this has been slick and thick thank you so much for tuning in tell a friend to tell a friend about us peace peace thanks for having me